Good morning. It's a joy this morning to uh, introduce my friend, Dr. Imad Shahada. And many of you know uh, Dr. Imad. He has been here before. It's been too many years, and we want to welcome you back. Um, Dr. Imad was born into a, a, a Palestinian home uh, in Jordan, a family of refugees. And I share that because I think that's a wonderful part of the story and the amazing work of our God in the midst of the brokenness of our world. Um, Dr. Ahmad came to faith in Christ as a student here in the United States and uh, that changed the direction, all the plans that he had and uh, eventually returned uh, to his home in Jordan and God has used him to, as the founder of the uh, Jets, Jordan Evangelical uh, Theological Seminary. Thank you. I, I can't keep more than three words in a line. So anytime Brett has more than three Ps in the sermon, I lose the last four points. But it is a joy uh, uh, to have you here. Uh, uh, Dr. Shahada will be back with us again this evening. Uh, and that will not be live streamed. So I uh, hope you'd be able to come back and join us in the chapel this evening. So brother, uh, welcome, and it's a joy to have you here. Thank you. All right, this is great. It's good to be back. Um, first time I came was when, just after Dr. John Barnett became pastor here, he invited me. Ever since I've come, average about every four years. This is my fourth time. And I don't know how much longer, you know, I mean. <laughs> It's amazing how God penetrates a life, you know, just amazing. Just a young college student, um, long before gray hair, <laughs> and coming to know him. And um, been, uh, came to Christ in this country, was trained in this country, was sent from this country, was supported from this country. It's a, it's a great country still. <laughs> and uh, very thankful for uh, Calvary Bible, for for standing with us in so many ways to make it possible for us to serve in the Middle East. So my main thing coming this time is to say thank you for being, investing in us. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a great relationship and so, so thankful to Pastor Jeff and Pastor Brett for the honor of, of standing here and sharing. What I'd like to do this morning is before we go to the scriptures, we'll have about three or four minutes to show you some pictures, take you on a trip to the Middle East to show you the seminary, uh, Jordan Evangelical Theological Seminary, which is now 31 years old. And uh, here, uh, the um, challenges that face us in that part of the world. We're uh, talking about the uh, diminished Christian presence. You know. uh, this is the, um, the area of the Middle East, North Africa, and Arab Peninsula. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, it's these countries that stretch from Ir uh, Morocco in the west to Iraq in the east, 22 Arabic-speaking countries, 425 million people, and 96% uh, Muslim. It's amazing that this is uh, the home of the early church, now one of the most needy mission fields today. This is the home of Augustine and Athanasius, our church fathers. 
And um, Jordan is where that arrow is. So we have Syria to the north, Iraq to the east, Israel to the west, Saudi Arabia to the south. We, see, we say we're between Iraq and a hard place over there. <laughs> Um, another challenge is shortage of liberty. A person who is not allowed, cannot publicly declare their change of faith. It can be very difficult and dangerous. Actually, to clarify, I'm not from a Muslim background. Most of the Christians, the, most of the remaining 4% would be from the Orthodox tradition, like Coptic Orthodox or Greek Orthodox. That was my background. Of course, I was, you know, um, had all kinds of thinking that's not Christian growing up and then coming to know the Lord as a college student in this country. So there's, that's, that's a chance, a big problem we have. So actually, had I not been a Christian before, at least nominally, I would not be able to do what I'm doing now. Another challenge is the uh, Arab-Israeli conflict, which I'm sure you, heard, you hear much about in the news so often. We're right in the midst of it, and all the ramifications of this and how people look at the scriptures because of this. Uh, and then the other is terrorism, which is all around us. Then, of course, the main challenge is the pervasive thinking there, the traditions. It's very much uh, anti-biblical. And we'll talk much about this this evening. Some main things like the nature of truth, very different. The nature of God, the nature of salvation, and the nature of end times. This evening we'll focus on one of them, the nature of God, particularly the Trinity. What, trini what difference does the Trinity make? That's what we'll spend time on, you know, and actually when you uh, understand what happens when God, when you view God as not triune, not in a relationship, um, you don't want such a God. But a lot of Christians don't see that, so we'll do that this evening. Um, then uh, here's Jets facing these challenges. Of course, each one of these points we can talk much about. But here's the seminary. Uh, the mission is to uh, equipping spiritual leaders for planting and strengthening churches in the Arab world. It's equipping, so it's very academic, very rigorous, but it's also very missions-minded. The way we do this is by providing formal, accredited bachelor and bachelor's, master's, and doctoral programs, accredited, uh, uh, as well as non-formal training with, um, through a variety of delivery methods and field training. You can imagine it's difficult enough to start a seminary anywhere, but to do that in the midst of the Arab world um, has been quite a challenge. Lots of stories against great odds, you know, to establish a curriculum, a faculty team, staff, accreditation, licensing, boards, funding, and so on. And in the midst of a sea, that is not uh, Christian. Um, and then uh, we have uh, graduates in, um, believe it or not, in 21 countries. They go to difficult countries, poor economies to serve. 
this is a typical graduation every year. Every, every time we have an event like this, it's such an encouragement to the church in the Middle East. Um, and uh, it's like that. Hey, next graduation is August 17th. Please come. Be great. You buy, you fly, you come. Um, here's uh, the event uh, in between the buildings. Um, that's, it's just amazing. That, that campus is quite a story. Lots of stories. It, was, it went through sabotage. It went through all public attack uh, on television. And, but we stayed with it. And uh, um, the Jets campus. Here's the entrance. And uh, <clears throat> actually, it's right now, this is a computer picture looking down up. Uh, on the left side, uh, your left would be the theological education. On the right side, it's really a school. We started this school initially from the children of the faculty. We were three faculty in the beginning, three professors with uh, children of their own. We were homeschooling. So we joined forces, and the more faculty came, they put their kids in this school, and it grew. And then other kids came, and then it grew. Now it's 200 children. So we have on this campus evangelical education from K kindergarten all the way to a doctoral level on one campus, nothing like it in the Middle East. That's God. Again, lots of stories. Um, let's see here. Um, just moving on. Um, here's a typical classroom. Um, Women, third of the students are women. They are the smarter bunch. They put the men to shame. It's good for the Middle East. <laughs> um, uh, when we have a Western professor, they would be teaching through a translator. Um, chapel every morning is live streamed, 8.30 a.m. Jordan time. And uh, you're welcome to, it would be what? 1.30 in the a.m., you know, no, next. Monday, I know you're eager to do that, okay. All right, different countries. Uh, this is uh, the first man here is Pastor Sennacherib from Syria, just a great man of God. <laughs> He's serving back in Syria after he graduated. Just amazing to go back to Syria to do that. Um, library, um, faculty, staff, um, then we have a publishing house. We endeavored into this because there are not enough books in Arabic. So we're providing this, and the Lord really blessed the work. We produced several commentaries on Bible books, difficult subjects like the Trinity. Uh, they're all in Arabic. Um, w one we did on, in English. It's on, on Amazon. It's on the Trinity, a big compendium. A lot of what we'll be sharing today will be in this book. Uh, it's called God With Us and Without Us. If you're struggling in English, it's there in Arabic for you. <laughs> and then um, commentaries, this is a series on, on the book of Revelation. And it, it's a challenge to, to do Revelation in a part of the world where there's a, a political problem. Um, and so on, just the publishing house. So this is all to say thank you for standing with us for so many years. So that's the ministry of Jets. Now then we come to a much more important subject, and that is the scriptures. I'm going to share uh, this morning a reading from um, 
The book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. Colossians 1, 24 to 29. <clears throat> I will be reading from the New American Standard Version. Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every person and teaching every person with every wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works, within me. This is the inspired Word of God. Um, the, the issue here, the subject here, it really speaks to uh, us in a world that's full of turmoil. It's in turmoil economically, socially, politically, and even morally. It's tough. It seems to some that nowadays resemble increasingly the events of the tribulation. Tough. And some people wonder if we should start countdown to the Lord's return. Of course, we have to be careful on a sequence of events as we interpret scriptures. Uh, so it's, it's, it's tough. So the question is, you know, how do we persist? How do we stay with it? How can we have this steadfastness, this stamina to withstand um, some discouraging things, let alone illness, tension with others, financial, loneliness, what have you? What keeps us going? Um, this, the, this book of Colossians, this letter, was, has several parts. This passage is in the first part of the book, which fo focuses on the uniqueness of Christ. In that, in that first part of this letter, Paul begins by thanking the Lord for the Colossians' faith. Faith in the gospel. He shares with them his prayers also, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, that they would walk according, accordingly to be fruitful on the basis of what, of what God did to redeem them in Christ. Then he reminds them of this Christ, the uniqueness of this Christ, of who he is, uh, being the very image of God, the age, agent and sustainer of creation, the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, and dwelt in all deity. He's the one that achieved reconciliation between man and God, this Christ, 
You know, obviously, Paul cares, is burdened, that the believers of Colossians are steadfast, strong, in serving the Lord, in reaching the lost, in continuing to serve Christ, um, in facing sin, death, persecution, and so on. So what is it that keeps us going? Uh, how do we persist? There, uh, there are at least uh, three principles here that may be helpful. I hope they are to you. That may give you encouragement, I hope. Um, the first thing he shares with them, in order to stay with it, to remember that first we are called to share in his pain, his very pain. We are called to share in his pain. Watch how he says it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And he says, he ex ex expresses that in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions, Christ's afflictions. Now that word affliction does not refer to the sufferings of Christ on the cross. The sufferings of Christ on the cross are done once and for all. He's taking care of all sins for all time. That's one, one and only time, that kind of suffering on the cross. This affliction is a different word, does not refer to that suffering, but this is a, a different kind of suffering that Christ uh, goes through. And here it, 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 uh, it comes out maybe in other English translations more clearly, but it's sufferings for his body, the church. There's a sense in which Christ is suffering for the church, and in particular with these challenges that were mentioned in the letter as Christians face and we face today. We know that uh, when Paul, before his conversion, Saul of Tarsus was going to, you know, persecuting the believers and going after them, and he was met by the Lord on the way to Damascus, and the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? That's not what he said. He said, why are you persecuting me? So persecuting the church meant it's really persecuting Christ. And what Paul is saying here is that when we are in pain, in service to the Lord, we find that he's been there ahead of us. He's the one that's in pain. And he's calling us to share in his pain. It comes out in several scriptures. For example, in Hebrews 11:24 says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Later on, he says in 13, 14 of Hebrews, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. The Lord simply put it this way, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Uh, and actually, it, uh, he says, I'm, I'm suffering, fulfilling, filling up what is lacking in suffering. I, I'm suffering for you. I, he says, in my suffering for your sake, it's instead of you. Meaning that sometimes we are called upon to suffer for Christ's purposes when other believers around us are not doing that. So he's saying, I'm doing that for your sake. Watch me and join the party. <laughs> he's being an example to them. At times, we are call, called on individually and corporately to suffer for Christ 
when others are not. We're doing it for them instead of them so that they can watch us and, and do likewise. And, um, you know, again, in the book of Colossians, there's much to have cause for suffering. For example, Colossians talks about being knit together, the unity of believers. How much it hurts when a church, the body of Christ, is divided, whether within one church or between churches. It, it aches. You know, God, you know, Christ's plea is for us to be one. It hurts when the church is, is divided. Um, the other issues like staying true to faith, having assurance of understanding, book of Colossians, facing deceit everywhere around us, so much untruth, mountains of untruth. And then don't forget evil powers. Oh, so much the scriptures talk about, we, we forget, they're all around. <laughs> evil powers. Sometimes we can't put our finger on the problem. We can't, we can't analyze, we cannot. That's an indication that it might be something that's way above us, way more difficult than us. Evil powers, satanic. It's painful. Um, then we face legalism, asceticism, lust, sinful lust, broken relationships, broken homes, uh, and so on. Um, and then, you know, one, one picture of the, the, way, the way the Lord hurts for the church, we find it actually, believe it or not, in the letters of Christ to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. He writes to seven exemplary churches, or sample churches, rather. At the end of each letter, it, it goes like this, as a refrain. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. In other words, Christ's letter to each of the churches is the Spirit's letter to all churches of all times and all places. And in his letters to these seven churches, five of the seven he's not pleased with. Isn't that amazing? Five of the seven, that's 70%. You know, he talks about uh, having so much knowledge and so little love. He talks about mixing what is holy with what is unholy. That's just so often present. It's not so much a place where there's wrong teaching. No, it's having right teaching mixed with wrong teaching. And uh, things that are holy mixed in with things that are not. Compromising with sin and truth. Being dead, though appearing alive. Lots of activity, but really dead. Isn't that amazing? These are descriptions of these churches that Christ was talking to. Um, and then having lack of awareness of their spiritual condition. And then it goes on to, sh to portray Christ. And by the way, Christ is, is portrayed as walking in the midst of the lampstands, the candlesticks, if you would. He, that's what he calls the churches, a title of honor. He's walking <laughs> around the churches. He's seeking giving second chances, pleading, pursuing. Sometimes he's presented as standing outside a church, knocking to go in. 
And sometimes he does not want to go when he's standing outside and asking people to get out because it's so bad inside. Can you believe that? That's the, of the seven churches. Um, so Christ is hurting for the church. And he's calling on us to, to join in that hurt, in that pain. And actually the way Paul says it, he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings filling up with what is lacking. Uh, he draws strength from it. So Christ's afflictions are that much, they're presented as less. So he says, I complete. So it's, like, it's a call to share in these afflictions, and he says, I draw strength from it. That is amazing. I don't know about you, but that's so encouraging. So when you hurt, he's been hurt. He's been there before. He is hurt at every level. He's there, you know. Um, so he's calling on us to share in his pain. That's the first thing to, to realize. What keeps us going? It's tough, it's dark, but to realize that he's, he's there. He's calling us to, to join him. Stand up, be strong, join him. Then you say maybe, is it worth it? <laughs> Is this pain worth it? Why should I do that? It's too costly. <laughs> Is it worth it? Thanks for asking. Well, actually, um, of course it's worth it. It's very much worth it. You know why? Because not only are we called to share in his pain, we are called to share in his very plan. In his plan, what he is doing, that's what we're called upon. Look how he says it. Of this church, I was made a minister, a servant, according to, that's plan. I'm, I was made a minister according to the stewardship, a responsibility from God. So there's a... There's a stewardship, a responsibility given from God to Paul, bestowed on me for your benefit, O Colossians, maybe through Epaphras, and then from the Colossians to the next generation down to Calvary Bible Church, Kalamazoo. That's coming straight from God himself. He's calling us to, to join his plan. Um, it's, a, it's a transferable it's, it's a transferable truth, a transferable calling. Uh, you know, um, sometimes we have it backwards. We say, well, I've got this plan to serve the Lord, to do one, two, three, and I, I pray that God would bless what I'm doing. No, it's, it's the other way around. He's got the plan, and he asks us to join his plan. Look for God, where God is working and join his forces. And actually, he's always working always working, never stops. It's a, it's a, it's a plan. It's a great plan. But then this, he, de, he defines further what this plan is. He says in verse 25, continuing, that I, may, that I might fully carry out, or literally that I might fulfill the word of God. Here it is. This plan of God is to fulfill his word, the word of God. It's to make sure I'm following 
what is written, what is inspired by him, the book that came down to us. You know, by the way, there's a lot of interesting stuff to read. There's good stuff on science, philosophy, political science, all kinds of ideas, law, great stuff. But the thing is, is it all true? Is it safe? This is safe. We go back to, we read all that stuff, we're exposed to it, but then we come back here. Thus saith the Lord. This is the inerrant word of God, inspired by him, came down to us in an amazing, in his sovereignty to come down to us, was written gradually. Though we may not have the original manuscripts of the Old and New Testaments, but because of the multitude of copies by faithful copiers, we have the original text. We don't have the original manuscripts, but we have the original text. What we have in our hands is the very Word of God. He says, I've been called to share in His plan, and this plan is right there in front of me. If I understand it correctly, open my heart to it. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Um, and then it continues. It's like, think of it as concentric circles. A stewardship, a, uh, a plan. It's, that plan is centered on his word. That word he calls it, this is a different concept, it's called a mystery. Musterion in the original, that's where the word comes, mystery. Verse 26, that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages. Now the word mystery refers to something that was either not known at all or not known fully. But notice the progression here. He says, I've been given this plan, centered in his word, and that very word, that very word is really a mystery which has been hidden. It was hidden, it was not completely known. It was hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested. It's now here. It's been clarified to his saints. Not only that, to whom God willed to make known. It's his desire. So it's hidden, it's manifested, it's his desire. And so we have it. So actually, what this means is that two people can look at the same word. One can see God in it and see his thinking and his plan and glory in it. And the other doesn't see anything. It's hap it, it happens. It's like coming to church. One sees Christ in his glory here and the other doesn't. That's why it's called a mystery. Two people can look at the same thing and not see the same thing. So he's saying, I've been given this, I've been given this honor to share in his plan. His plan is around his word, which is a mystery. And if, I, if I'm open to it, I see it. I, I begin to find there the word of God. I, I find a place where it can be safe. It's authority. It's the truth right here. The highest supreme court, if you will. You can rely on it. You know, some portions of scripture we can read fast. You know, stories, wonderful stories. Some portions we need to stop and ponder and think, compare. But in the end, don't, don't run away too quick. Just hang in there. He speaks. It's amazing. We, we leave it too quickly. So much truth. Every time. It surprises you. Every time. 
It's God speaking. This is home. This is, this is where the church camps. So he said, I've been called to share in his pain because I've been called to share in his plan, which is his word, which is a mystery. Now, he goes on further. Uh, this mystery is really immersed, engulfed with glory. Engulfed with glory. He says, I, uh, to share what, uh, it was his will to make known his mystery, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery? A glorious mystery. Riches of the glory of this mystery among the nations. It's glorious. Glory. There's glory here. <laughs> now that word glory, just to camp on it a little bit, can mean utter beauty. It can mean also perfection. All the perfections of his attributes. And when one attribute of God works, all his other attributes work. There's not one attribute that works apart or independence of other attributes. All of God is there. Beauty, perfection, but there's more. Actually, the word for glory in the Old Testament that's carried into the New Testament is the word for liver, the actual human organ. Kavod, liver. Why liver? Because that organ is, is in the center of the body. It's also the heaviest organ in the body. So when you glorify God, you liver him. You make him central and the heaviest because he is the heaviest. Think of a river, all right? In a river, there's a, there's a rock. The water goes around the rock because the rock is heavier. When we talk about the glory of God, he is the heaviest. There's none heavier than him. There's nothing that's heavier or more important or more central than him. He is the center of history, the center of existence. Everything else fades. If take him out of the equation, everything disintegrates. I mean, my goodness, if we lose power this, this evening, we, we become miserable, let alone air and water and, and roads and etc. etc. Take God out. That's everything gone. <laughs> He is the heaviest. Everything else revolves around him. So I've been called to share in his plan, which is according to his word. I have it here in my hands. It's a mystery that's so glorious. And I, can, I have the privilege of seeing that glory if I want to. But it goes further. Again, concentric circles. It's coming down to, here it is. Here's the epitome of that mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Now this Christ in you is not just Christ among the nations. That is true. But it's talking about an individual experience, an individual privilege. Christ in each of us. That's what God wants for. That's the whole plan of salvation right there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what a plan. And... Uh, Called to share in this, you know, to, call, to be called to share in this kind of cause, there's no higher calling, no higher profession, no greater task, uh, uh, life task. So Christ in you, the, the hope of glory. Actually, when he says Christ in you, the hope of glory, he assumes a lot of theology. To begin with, incarnation, he came down. If God says, I love you, I love you, and doesn't do anything, he doesn't love you. But our God loves us. 
He took on our nature, added that human nature, and then took it further, went to Calvary, took our sins on himself. The justice of God declared because of his holiness became the justice of God absorbed in this person. Isn't that amazing? He took our sins away completely. He took away something, then he gave us something else, his righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. What exchange that is. So we are bestowed. His righteousness is upon us. He sees us as perfect. He, he sees us as heavenly. That's where we're headed. And then he lives with us. We, we're, we're, just, we're forgiven. We're justified. We're regenerated. We have a new nature, a new spirit, small s, and the Holy Spirit lives us, capital S. All of that is ours. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? And we're headed for glory. So this is eternity in our hearts today. We are part of that eternal glory from today. So that's the, that's the plan. That's the plan. So... Uh, We've been called to share in this plan. Isn't that an enormous plan? Is it worth it? My goodness, it is. Just give up everything for this. Nothing is more, more valuable than this, more honorable than this. So what keeps us going? We find that he's hurting already and calling us to join him in his pain because he has a great plan, a great cause, and he's calling us to share in his plan. You may say, boy, this is too difficult. This is way above me. I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to do it. I don't have enough know-hows. You know, it's just beyond me. We all feel that way, by the way. You're not alone in this. Well, we have one more thing. He says, don't give up because, because you're also called to share in his power. His power, his very power is available to us. Isn't that amazing? Look how he brings this, uh, brings this out. He says in verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing every person. Admonishing means uh, clearing the error. Uh, and then teaching every person, presenting truth. So, we proclaim him. How do we do this? Now watch the, watch the word every. And literally, literally it goes like this. We proclaim him, admonishing every person and teaching every person with every wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. That's power. You know, the word of God, okay, that has this mystery that I've been entrusted with, can take any person, no matter what background, what color, what education, what country, take any person from that to be one day presented before him complete in Christ. That's the power that's given to us to share. Isn't that amazing? Now, he explains this further. He says, for this purpose, I labor. In other words, he's not... He's not passive. He's not lazy about it, completely dependent on the part of He's active. He's diligent. I labor. I strive. 
I labor also, striving, but not upon, not depending on my strength, but striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Wow. Actually, we can say it literally. His power inflamed in activity within me with supernatural strength. That's Christ. You know, um, you know, Christ is very powerful. Very powerful. He's always at work. You may not realize it, you may not see it, but he's here. Again, it's mystery. Some people see it, some people don't. If we had uh, glorified eyes, we would see him. He's right here. If we had uh, glorified ears, we would hear him. If we had glorified hands, we would touch his robe. He's here. Nevertheless, he's here. <laughs> That's what it's saying. And not only that, he's working powerfully, walking in the midst of the lampstands. That's Jesus Christ. He's powerful, powerful. Working every day, all the time, all the time, asking us to join him. Um, there you have it. Be strong. It's tough. It's really tough. But we have cause to, to hang in there by joining his pain, by the privilege of joining his plan. But then we're also called to share in his power and live way above our ability, way, way above, way above it. You know, in the words of the angel to the prophet Daniel. Daniel was so discouraged. He saw all the ugliness around him. He was so discouraged. He told him to stand up. He was on the, on the ground. He was like a baby. <laughs> told him to stand up. Well, he finally struggled and, and stood up. But then he finally said to him, stand up on the inside, not just on the outside. St actually, literally, it says, stand on your standing. Stand, be strong. <laughs> and Daniel had cause to be, to be discouraged. Paul has cause to be, we all have cause to be discouraged, but we have a, we have a savior. We're, we're bounded for glory. That's where we're headed. And you know what? If you stay with it, realizing that you're called to share in his pain, his plan, and his power, fruit comes, productivity comes. You'll see miracle in your life, and the lives of people around you. You see it. This is persistence that pays. You'll see it. You know, it's been said by Hudson Taylor, the famous Hudson Taylor, this. He says, uh, every great work for God is at first impossible. Then it is difficult, but then it is done. Impossible. Difficult, done. It takes persistence. Hang in there. Just hang in there. He's calling you to join him. He's calling you to, to a rock higher than you, to, to a life that's greater than what you have. It's something that's it's an amazing calling. No higher calling than this. So we persist. Why don't we go raise our hearts up to him in prayer right now? Father, thank you for this amazing call. 
I pray for this church that it may be, might be a, a lighthouse of the gospel. I pray for each one here, Father, that we all may live from this calling and serve from this calling, sharing in your pain, your plan, and your power. Take these words, O oh Lord, and make them part of our living and decision-making wherever we go. And we pray this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.